So welcome to the very first episode of Rail People. It's a brand new podcast uh, from uh, the people at Rail Stuff. Um, shameless plug time just to start things off. If you don't know who Rail Stuff are, then check us out. We're at rail-stuff.com uh, and we are a retailer of model railway scenics and accessories. So anything from line side kits to weathering to uh, foliage and trees, anything like that, you can come find it with us. Um, but this podcast is designed to meet some of the people in the model railway world uh, and to find out what their inspiration is and, and how they got into this fantastic hobby that we have. And I'm pleased to say that our very first guest um, is a familiar face on YouTube. Now, um, I, I hate to use the word influencer, but when somebody has a certain number of subs subscribers on YouTube, they can probably be described uh, as some form of model railway influencer. And our first guest on this show has a decent number of subscribers already uh, and continues to build the channel Emperor's Path. So please welcome SBJ or Sam uh, to the show. Sam, hello, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Uh, it's not a problem, and um, you were the first person who came to mind when, when I put this together. Um, and uh, we do hope to, to meet lots of different people from across the industry uh, as the weeks and months go by, but uh, great to have you with us for the first one. Um, I think just to set the scene, the very first question is probably the most important one of the entire uh, hour that we will spend together, and that is quite simply, what is your favourite cheese? Oh, I'm, a, I'm a strong cheddar man, um, and for the past 10 years or so I've been advocating that Snowdonia Black Bomber is the best cheese ever invented. I'm going to write and that one down. I, I recommend... It's one of those things where sometimes it pops up in Tesco, sometimes it pops up in Christmas time, it pops up in Sainsbury's, but usually you can find it in Waitrose or really good butcher shops, ironically. But mm -hmm. Snowdonia Black Bomber. Do you know what I'm going to? Uh, I'm going to pick some up. Um, I don't know where from, but I'll find some. Uh, if not, I'm sure I can find some online. Um, but uh, yeah, don't ask why. That's the first question. I just like cheese, and it's always interesting. It's one of those questions that everyone has an opinion on. Nobody goes. Mm. I don't know, not really into cheese. I think it's interesting as well as a good question because A, it's, it can dissipate any any sort of unease that you may be having with someone who's doing an interview. And I, I didn't know that that was a question coming up and instantly you said cheese and I salivated, which already <laughs> puts me in a great sort of mindset for the rest of this session. And then afterwards I'm going to go, hmm... I think my daughter's got some Dairyly Triangles in the freezer, sorry, in the fridge, so I'll have to go and have those because I don't have any Black Bomber. But, <laughs> but yes, it's a strong opening question. Well, just to settle things a little bit further, uh, I'm going to hit you with some quick fires uh, now before we really get into talking about you and, and, and everything that you do. Um, I've got, what's that, one, two, three, four, five, six, I've got six quick fire either or answers here um, for you, and you can add a little bit of flavour to the answer if you if you wish or you, if you just want to um, uh, give us the, the single word then whichever you prefer first one very simple yep. DC or DCC DCC 
uh, when I first got back into the hobby, I was against it. And after building the layout in the loft, I've slowly converted over to it, and I'm 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 converted. I think I think it is good and it's way more affordable than it was when i first got into the hobby about 15 years ago uh, we will talk about that a little bit later on i'm sure uh, steam or diesel 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 or electric uh ooh, i'm gonna say electric ooh. simply because we don't see a lot if it was going on nostalgia it'd probably be electric because in portsmouth we really only have sort of electric multiple units but if i was going out to buy something diesel Ah, okay, okay. But your your first reaction was electric, so interesting. It was, yeah. Um Airbrush or brush? I think I know the answer to this one. Airbrush. Mm. I am very, very lazy. Oh, is it lazy or is it just... Uh, I, I don't know. We'll get on to that as well. Yeah. Um, specifically around locos here rather than buildings, mm-hmm. weathered or pristine? Weathered. Okay. I am a big fan of dirt, grime, dust and all that sort of thing perfect and the final one uh, if we're talking about kits that you might build are we going for plastic or wood i think plastic uh i can't say i've built many C- can we put mdf into the the wood yeah i left i left wood fairly open because i was thinking sort of laser cut kits because they're growing so quickly mm. in popularity but yeah mdf as well yeah i think for value i always find that mdf kits are way better value in terms of what i can only describe as the tobacco residue that you get on your hands after (laughs) dealing with uh, laser cut kits i think the plastic sort of pins it just that little bit more but i i'm easy to either if the kit looks good it looks good in my eyes but if you if you open a fresh pack of laser cut wood and just take a good sniff inside that that sort of burnt wood smell is just delightful anyway um I, I'm, sort of, I'm sort of more leaning back towards the kind of cheese conversation here um <laughs> let's let's talk about model railways a little bit i mean that is that is what we're here to do um tell us a little bit about your layout and uh and how it came about and um what it's based on just just give us a bit of a brief overview of your layout as it stands today sure um so uh i was previously really big into the wargaming warhammer sort of scene prior to covid um and during covid i lost a lot of my love for it but i still enjoy doing hobbies and i've always loved trains it's just a simple thing of i've never had the space to have a a layout uh and during covid uh i sat down with my wife and we sort sort of said look i she, I, I built some small layouts just for fun in the past, uh, sort of like shunting puzzles. And I said, look, I really would like to build a little layout in the loft. And yep, okay, brilliant, cool, let's do that then. And uh, it grew arms and legs and out of nowhere, rather than me just having two loops in the loft, it ended up being a, uh, I think, I think technically it's a 12 foot by 10 foot layout in the loft with a massive gap in the middle for me to get up in the loft. <laughs> um, and I love it. I don't love it right now because it's too hot. For those listening in the future, we are currently in uh, the hot part of the British summer. Uh, 
the but, hot part of the British records, to be fair. I mean, yesterday was, yeah. you know, up in in the in the forties for the first time ever. If if you are listening to this in the future, so, uh, and for anyone who listens to this outside of the UK, yes, I know that's normal everywhere else. But but we're British and we're not used to it. And our houses are designed to keep heat in, not let them out. So um, it's been pretty brutal, isn't it, for for the model railway fans? Yeah, I, I think the thing is as well is we we have this thing in britain where we have a very very small window of where we get our really hot summers and it would never justify us needing to buy an air conditioning unit to keep us cool and that's i think that's the biggest problem we have as mm. british people english people united kingdomites or whatever you want to call us <laughs> um is that our time period is so small but anyway that's not trains no. um and yet yeah, so i I've always grown up with seeing lots of great western style layouts uh, being seen uh, in the magazines, a lot of northern layouts being seen, uh, things that are based on nowhere that I live. Um, me personally, I've always seen, uh, I'm from Portsmouth for those who, who don't don't know me, and I've always seen the train line in Portsmouth as quite quite a big thing. I mean in my naivety that's not the case anymore but uh, I was always perplexed as to why I hadn't seen anyone doing a layout based on the Portsmouth area because it's quite a nice it's a it's a line that basically comes onto the island and then it's just a terminus then a terminus then a terminus mm. so it, it has the modelling potential that you can have uh, depending on where you're modelling you can have one giant terminus at the end of the island which is on a pier or you have the South Sea set, sorry, the Portsmouth Central Railway, which has the through line that goes through, or you can have terminuses on there, or you've got the uh, Fratton Yards, which have massive potential for modelling. And I was just always sort of like, I really want to see it. And in the end, I was like, well, I'm going to do it. Mm. Uh, so I went on Google Maps and basically tried to work out a rough plan of what I wanted. Um, I used a lot of artistic licensing in the sense that technically the curve is facing the wrong way but so that I got more out of the layout I made it so that the curve was going the opposite direction things like that um, I had a couple of local people who were like oh you do know that the yard's not like this I was like yeah I know but I'm <laughs> using I'm doing this for me sort of thing um, and yeah and basically it's moved away a little bit from being an exact replica of Fratton which is my local station but it it has the sort of the bones of it and I've developed it to make it more fun for me as a train enthusiast or a model railway person. And, and as something that is, so I, I'm assuming because it's in the loft, it, this is a permanent loft fixture, it's not something you'd plan to ever take out to an exhibition or is it, no, so therefore it is, it is for you, isn't it? It's not for uh, yeah. other people. So, you know, it, I know there's there's a lot of people who will always think that that prototypical is is best, and you know we can always strive for that as much as possible. Um, but you're right, you know sometimes a model railway is for you and and what you want to get out of it. Yeah. So um, what what about era? Where does where does it sit era wise? Uh, so era wise, I I always say it's between 1985 to 1995 which is a broad broad spectrum of time in the model railway world I'm aware um, but it's basically so that I can run a lot of very different things 
I took a lot of inspiration from Everard Junction, who runs almost the same sort of era as me, in the sense that it allows me to have a lot of the BR blue and grey stuff, whilst also that transitioning period of going through all of the sort of uh, the jazzing up of colour, I think is the way he said it, or it becomes a more colourful thing. Um, and I've sort of extended it on the other side of it more than he did so that I can hopefully, when it comes out, incorporate a lot of the very beginnings of the uh, Southwest train stuff that runs in my area. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and it, I, I was born in 88 and it, I remember that sort of period. But I also wanted to be able to sort of... I like the BR Blue era, but I also like the colourful stuff. So it was more of a allows me to incorporate lots of different things from various time periods and for me the biggest thing that jumped out at me when i saw some of your videos on on your layouts was uh, probably the slightly more colorful stuff of the network southeast and mm. for me i i uh, until i was 18 i grew up in essex um mm-hmm. and network southeast was what i traveled on if we went into london or if we went anywhere by train it was uh, it was Network Southeast, and there's just something about that livery that is just so striking and 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 gets me. I th- I, I it's I always call it the Colgate exp- uh, the Aquafresh Express because it's the blue, <laughs> the white, and the red. And yeah, it it is a livery that I find is very very strong. Um, the regional railways livery has that same sort of effect, but where yeah. it's the the blue, the grey, and the like the brownie cream. It doesn't have the strikingness of that little red bit. And one thing that I do really like is that when Southwest Trains took over, especially in my area, uh, took over the Network Southeast area, they very much stuck to the Network Southeast livery, but they just added in an orange stripe, Mm. which sort of signified the stagecoach uh, branding taking over kind of thing. So you still got that livery even into the middle of the 2000s you still got to see that livery to a certain degree and I think it just it just reeks of my childhood that particular livery and it's why it's such a dominant force on my layout so and I'm sure I'm sure there's people who do that like they make sure that the livery that they remember the most is on their layout apologies I interrupted no no absolutely I, I, I suppose it was I was going to ask you know where your your interest of, of trains comes from and and I guess some of it comes from your childhood and seeing trains a, a, around and um, and looking at the local light but was there was there some other kind of influence that really got you into it um, I, th- I think like a lot of people who grew up in the late 80s early 90s t- Thomas the tank engine was a massive influence <laughs> on my life like whether or not you are one of the people who thinks that it's the worst thing in the world because it's not authentic or whether it got me into trains yeah. and up until sort of I'd say recently I've always been a bigger steam fan than a diesel fan yeah. but I'd hit that I feel like recently I'd hit that sort of point where it becomes not necessarily about Thomas but it becomes about nostalgia and I don't remember steam being around so whilst I like steam trains uh, it it very much became a this is what I remember from my childhood sort of thing um, but yeah, t- t- Thomas was massive, and it was very much a case of you'd struggle to go somewhere in Portsmouth without crossing over the bridge of the train line or not see it sort of 
moving around here, there, and everywhere. Like it, it is a very prominent thing on the island because we are, we are an island, and it's such a small area that you just you can't not see the trains. And I think that's such a big thing because I know people who live nowhere near a train line and they don't get to see trains regularly but they're massive enthusiasts and they have to travel hours before they can go somewhere that's even reasonably good like yeah and that that was a big influence for me to answer your question sorry yeah no no it makes a lot of sense i mean i suppose a lot of people don't even realize that that portsmouth sits on an on an island it's uh, one of those things that, that people don't think of really no and i think it once again it has that amazing modeling potential uh so because i live in portsmouth we have a great little beach and i paddleboard um and one of the most amazing things i've done that i don't know many people who could say this but i was able to go train spotting on my paddleboard <laughs> because the there's this sort of rickety old iron bridge which modeling potential would be fantastic to do it um that basically it goes so we have the m27 motorway that is right on the edge it is just off the island mm. and the trains pass through the m underneath the m27 motorway they go across this rickety old bridge onto the island but as it goes onto the island it also goes through an old napoleonic fort oh, so wow. the the scope of what you can see in this one space of like the moat that effectively surrounds portsmouth island uh, Port Sea Island is beaut beautiful and I've done it before where I've gone like my friends who I paddleboard with aren't train enthusiasts but they know full well that as soon as we get to that sort of area we slow down we take it easy and sometimes you see sort of eight or nine different trains going across it and it's just such a fantastic thing because you can effectively paddle underneath the bridge and just the sounds that you can hear from it are fantastic and it's at the point where where the tide's in fully, you have to crawl, like we have to go on your belly on the board to get underneath the bridge kind of thing. So it it yeah. It the island side of it is very fantastic. You're making me want to go and do lots of Google images and things like that afterwards. Because in terms of a, a, a modelling potential, you're right. It sounds absolutely fantastic with uh, with the bridge and the, the 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 fort and 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 the way it all comes together. The fact it's an island. Um, yeah, you know, for you, is it is it more about trains or is it more about the scenics that goes around it or is it the whole thing stitched together what sort of really gets you know if you if you want to go and do a bit of modeling what is it that really gets your uh, for want of a better term juices flowing i think definitely it is the running of the trains mm. um if you for those who don't know who i am and don't haven't seen my layout it very much uh, is a in essence the major part of it is a two-lane uh, track with sidings that come off and go into platforms and stuff like that that goes round and round and round uh, there's a terminating shuttle and stuff like that in there and for me having trains going round and round the shuttle going in and out and in and out is something that when I'm there watching it all I'm like that's when I really get into my groove of I want to do this, I want to do that. And it's why I've struggled to get the sort of the mojo of doing any hobby at the moment because I'm not in the loft. Mm. And when I'm up there, sometimes I can lose hours because I just start 
going, oh, I start cutting away and working out, right, this is where this needs to go. Uh, and then next thing I know, I've done four hours in the loft and I, d I don't know where the time's gone. And it's, yeah, it's it's fantastic. So it sounds like it, the, the inspiration you get for the next step of your layout comes from actually sitting there running trains and then you start thinking and picturing it in, in your mind's eyes. That, am I getting that right from what you've just said? Yeah, I, I might have a sort of, so I could sit here now and go, right, okay, I know that this needs doing, but until I'm up there and seeing it run around, I go, that section needs a bit of work on it, or I'd like to do this and I'd like to do that. And yeah, it is very much a case of if the trains aren't running, I don't do as much and I don't have as much mojo to actually do things up there. And I'm one of these people who this, this is probably frowned upon by some people who I will happily airbrush and weather certain sections of my layout whilst the trains are running and it can be quite scary at times but <laughs> if those trains aren't running i'm not having fun any any mishaps on that front yet i don't think so but if i think we're okay at the moment i mean the coaches are heavily weathered anyway and so Oh, you've got me nervous now. I might have to check all, all, all my stock and stuff. But yeah, I, as far as I'm aware, it's been okay. I, I'm i a big fan of the airbrushes, previously said, and I think to really make a mishap out of it, you'd have to be really careless yeah. to cause such disastrous effects. Yeah, uh, I'm sure I could manage it somehow, but uh, never mind. Um, so what kind of stage is your layout at, at the moment? I mean, there is no, let's just clarify, there is no such thing as a finished layout. Um, I, I, I've heard people at a couple of shows recently say, oh, I finished my layout. And I just said, no, you haven't. There's no such thing. But what no kind of stage thing. is your layout at? Functional? Is that, <laughs> I, I feel like that's, it is at a, a point where, I'd, well, I'd, I talk about Everard Junction because it's a lot of the inspiration for me. I, there are other YouTubers out there who I love their stuff, but it's the sort of stuff that really gives me when one of his videos come out that's when i go cool i'm getting a lot of inspiration and stuff like that. Yeah. and recently especially he's been pulling up track that's been laid for years and stuff to try and make his layout better and i genuinely sit there and i go oh but you need to work on this section and then i sit there and i go oh yeah i need to pull this track up like I so at the time of this he's just done one about his fiddle yard no scenic side of it whatsoever but as soon as he did it I was like oh now I need to get my fiddle yard sorted and that definitely influences me a lot but I'd say it's functional to the point of I can run trains in it which is the most important thing to me um, and I definitely say that there are scenic aspects that have been completed around the layout but in no way shape or form is it near anywhere that would resemble completion or uh, I'd look at it in the sense of would it go in a magazine because obviously mm. that's that's one of the dreams is being in uh, I'm not going to name any particular magazines because I, I, it feels like I'm being really mean but to appear in a model railway magazine is is like a, a dream although I'm not doing it for anyone other than myself at least for the true joy of it being in a magazine's like yeah I've made it <laughs> or this this is good enough that they want to show other people I think is the and it's nowhere near the level of being able to appear in a magazine so i feel like that is the best scale i can give so is that the the aim then you would say if, if you if you had to say what what is the aim of the layout would be 
uh, it'd be great to have it in a magazine or, or is that a little bit too black and white no I feel like that's a fantastic representation uh, because you look at in, in all the various magazines and there's some layouts where they say this isn't done uh, one of my favourite layouts is uh, NSE Latchmere mm. um, and once again I saw the article in a magazine about NSE Latchmere and he even said like this is nowhere near done like this is the station's not finished that's a massive section of his layout that's nowhere near completion but he still got it in the magazine and that that was quite a nice thing for me to see because I was like oh I'm gonna have to get this 100% completed before it gets in there and to see someone with such a fantastic layout sit there and say this isn't done and I don't know if because he mentioned it they decided to show pictures of where it currently sits but yeah it, it, I, I, it gives you a little bit of hope that you don't necessarily have to spend the next 10 years making it yeah and, <laughs> but, uh, and I don't know about you but also that, that connection that there is through through social media um, you know whether it's Instagram or, or, or Facebook whatever people choose to, to use to, to show off their layouts um, you know that that when you've been following a layout on Instagram, for example, for a long time, and all of a sudden they say, "Oh, it's going to be in this magazine this month," you kind of get that. Oh, I know that. I know that layout because I've seen, and and it gives you that inspiration to think, "Well, hang on a minute. If they can, then maybe I can as well." And um, you know, so I mean, in terms of social media, what what do you think that the kind of influence of that has been on on the hobby and and not youtube we'll get onto youtube in in a minute but but the rest of social media what kind of influence do you think it has on on the hobby i i'm going to say something really controversial and there's probably going to be a lot of people who really disagree with what i'm about to say i think that instagram is the best platform for what I and what other people do in terms of hobby. It allows you to show work in progress pictures. It allows you to share videos. It allows you to share pictures. It allows you to, via the medium of stories, ask questions that people answer. And you can see who's connecting with you. Mm -hmm. I also feel like it is a vastly superior platform in the sense of it is way, way more positive than Facebook. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Less I, toxic. Yeah, yeah. So, I, which is odd because I feel with Instagram, you you can easily hide behind a persona on Instagram way more than you can on Facebook. I went when I first really got into the hobby and was really sort of knuckling down with doing the loft. I was like, I'm going to join a few groups and share my progress and stuff like that. And the vast or the stark contrast between Instagram and it's not a case of like me, love me, and stuff like that. Mm. It's I have no problem with constructive criticism. It is the toxic criticism where somebody criticizes what you are doing, but when you try to sort of go, oh, well, this is why I've done this or something like that, suddenly you're a snowflake. <laughs> and I, I, so first of all, I was in, I won't mention groups, and this is what killed Facebook for me in yeah. terms of this hobby. I was in a group where I posted a work in progress picture of some of my weathering and I'd put oil paints on there. If uh, I, I use oil paints and I make things very dirty and grimy, let it dry off and then I use spirits to sort of work away at the grime and clean it back up. And somebody clearly hadn't read what I'd put with the picture. They just started giving aggro on the post. 
Now, somebody else, not me, somebody else said, it clearly says at the top, this is work in progress. The criticism you're giving isn't constructive. That person, once again, not reading what was going on, started to attack the person who was trying to be supportive and mm. and basically said, you're a snowflake. And it just started treating them as if it was their post and stuff like that. And I was like, this is horrible. Like yeah. by the time I'd come back to the conversation, it was sort of 40 comments long with three guys. Oh, sorry, that's very bad of me. Three people just sort of piling on this poor person who had nothing to do with the picture I'd posted. And in the end, I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done with this. And mm. yeah, I, I find that Instagram is far more supportive. The criticism is constructive. And I I just find it works better for what we do. Do you think part I, I, of the reason is because on Instagram, people choose to follow you rather than on Facebook putting... Uh, posts into public groups, for example. Do you think there's there's a difference there? That's a that's a fantastic way way to look at it. Uh, I guess people join groups not necessarily to see the gumph that you're sharing, if that makes sense. Um, and yeah, that hits the nail on the head quite. Yeah, you you're choosing to see someone's work on Instagram to a certain degree. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, if anybody follows the hashtag Hornby on Instagram, you unfortunately get some strays that are definitely nothing to do with model trains coming through. Ah, uh, a, 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 a stray bee, for example, yes. Yeah, the bee might be in the wrong place, or... Yeah, um, okay, yeah. It's like, it's like uh, on my personal account, I, I love food, I love cooking and stuff like that, and I follow food, and there's some people who have tagged the hashtag food in a post that definitely has nothing to do with food in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and I think that that is one of the my problems with Instagram. But yes, it, obviously with Instagram, you choose to follow something if you wish to. And you have that ability to go this, to even turn around and say, this no longer provides me what I was after originally. I'm going to unfollow it. And yes. that is one of the beautiful things that you can do with it. So uh, alongside... Um my note that says Snowdonia Black Bomber. I'm huh. also writing down uh, review use of hashtag Hornby. <laughs> yeah. I, I'd, I'd love to see if there's somebody out there who is having the same problem as as I am with the use of hashtags. Uh, and I've had to be a far more selective in the hashtags. There's also, um, I didn't know this until I started following the hashtag, there is a, a place called Hornby Island. Uh, I believe it's in somewhere in America, and you get some stunning photos of the island. Oh, great! Like it, I mean, it's not useful, but the, great. It's it's one of the nice ones that does sort of uh, go through the uh, go through the cracks, but in a good way. <laughs> so let's let's just move on to talking about YouTube then. Seeing as we've kind of nudged into into that world a little bit, um, I, th- I mean the the obvious first question is Emperor's Path. What's, what, what is that? Uh, linking back to the sort of wargaming side of things or or is there another story behind Emperor's Path? No, it is very much a case of uh, I used to run a Warhammer based uh, channel or it is still the same channel and I had years ago I'd I'd built up a, a following on there and it was sort of one of these things where I I lost 
I, I was basically in a car accident and it killed my mojo for the hobby. Mm. Uh, I didn't have the oomph to go and sort of record videos anymore. So kept the channel around. Uh, and then when I started doing the model railway stuff, I basically said to myself, I don't want to necessarily start from scratch because I know that there's a lot of people who will have been watching it from the Warhammer days who will appreciate not necessarily the fact that it's trains, but some of the scenery making or the weathering and things like that. Mm. And I made a promise to myself that whereas before I, I was trying to become an influencer, like <laughs> it, it was, that was very much a case of I want to become a Warhammer influencer who is famous to a certain degree. I wanted to make it so that I could eventually make that a career. Yes, yeah. When I restarted it, uh, basically just started uploading to the same channel uh, I made a video that basically said look this is what I'm doing if you want to leave that's fine if you want to stick around that's great anybody who's new even better um, but I made the promise to myself that this uh, Emperor's Path 2.0 was about me enjoying it and me following the journey so that I could look back at it if I wanted to and if anybody joined me for the ride that was great and the support has been fantastic in that sense that it was a case of people stuck around because they wanted to stick around not necessarily because i wasn't doing uh wargaming or anything like that anymore um and that's that's basically all it is is i didn't want to restart i wanted to use the same platform that i'd always had it was a i guess to a certain extent a brand name um and all it was was that back in the day back in 2015 when i created the channel that was an easy reference that nobody else had taken that was able to go cool emperor of mankind from warhammer i get that it's a pathway to something or other there's no real link to anything without sort of causing massive problems and it was just easy to have ep as a logo and things like that yeah. and then with with the train stuff it just transitioned that actually calling my station Emperor's Pathway was a nice link between the two to have a station name called Emperor's Pathway to go back to the old Emperor's Path sort of thing. So you've you've managed to link it all into what was already there which is which is fantastic. I mean what what really started to grow the channel because what you correct me if I'm wrong but you're at uh 1500 subscribers there or thereabouts. Yeah, 1500 uh which which is yeah where it currently sits and what sort of got it growing was there any particular thing that just suddenly made it click and start to to, to ramp up not that i'm tapping I'd... you up for ideas here you know but uh... no i completely <laughs> i think it was the biggest boom i had was nothing special in terms of uh sort of like suddenly became famous overnight type thing but it was the best performance I've had from a video was I just did a, a layout update mm. and I'd spent a little bit of time trying to make it that the thumbnail was nice, the title was nice and things like that because whilst I'm doing it for my own personal sort of thing, I didn't want it to become a sloppy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it, it just seemed to perform nicely. It was a layout update where everything just seemed to click into place and it sort of boomed from there. Um, I also did sort of a very small series on like beginner sort of weathering stuff that covered both the Warhammer aspect and the train aspect. So it sort of crossed 
a few different streams and a few friends sort of shared about it and uh, sort of helped support me in that sense. How much crossover do you think there is between those two hobbies, uh, wargaming and, and model railways? Because uh, you know, obviously having the, the kind of business that I do, um, I actually tend to sell quite a lot of stuff to wargamers, especially on the weathering side of things and, and scenics as, as well. Um, how much crossover really is there? way more than I thought there would be um, I get quite a lot of uh, sort of friends who don't want to do a model railway uh, but they play Warhammer and they love seeing it but mm. they necessarily don't either because the biggest problem for I think for model railways is the space because yeah. you can buy starter sets very cheaply but getting the space to have a decent layout is the biggest problem Whereas storing an army in a couple of cases underneath your bed is very easy to mm. do. Um, and there's definitely a lot of interest in what you do with model railways for sure. And the weathering side of it. All of the stuff that I do weathering my trains isn't necessarily the same weathering that somebody who's been doing it for years does. But it's the same weathering that I did on army models, tanks and stuff like that. And that transcribes so easily. Plus, with scenics and things like that, you don't necessarily build massive amounts of scenic bits in wargaming, but people pay a lot of attention to the bases that their models come on, yeah. and that's definitely where you get a lot of uh, sort of scenic implements that you can use to make your things better. And I think that definitely comes across uh, as a crossover part. So what about um, the kind of materials that you work with, whether it's creating scenics or um, weathering or painting? What are the kinds of things that you really enjoy working with? I know you've you've mentioned the airbrush a couple of times, but uh, what, what do you really enjoy working with? I think, I mean, the airbrush is pretty much my go-to for everything because I can use it on pretty much any project that I'm going to do. Mm. I find that there's this sort of stigma around airbrushing where you have to have this super expensive setup to be able to do anything well, yet some of the best airbrushing work that me personally I think I've done has been done with like a, a £20 airbrush, like you don't need to have the most expensive setup to do everything. and. It is very much a jack-of-all-trades kind of thing. You can use it to weather a train. You can use it to weather scenics. You can use it to weather an army. You can use it... And the aspect that it is one of the few things I know that I can use outside of the loft makes it a very appealing thing as well. Because I can take it up there to airbrush the layout, but when it comes to airbrushing locos or train uh, or rolling stock or various bits it just the fact that i can sit at my desk and do it is a fantastic little piece of kit and without going too far behind the curtain it is a great tool to use when you're stuck on conference calls that are just far too long that you have absolutely <laughs> no input in 
thankfully I'm out of that world this these days and I, I get to control my own life <laughs> a little bit more rather than being controlled by conference calls but I know exactly what you mean mm. um, I may have uh, built some kits in the past whilst on calls um, what's wrong with your, your camera Adam oh I don't know it's just stopped working today <laughs> uh, you know one of those kind of things um, so you love your airbrush you work with it a lot um if somebody was brand new uh, to getting into painting and weathering and things like that and thought, I, I, I like the idea of using an airbrush, what advice would you give somebody who wanted to get started in, in airbrushing? I think the biggest bit of advice that I can use is that you can't... As long as you're using the right products, you can't ruin things. Okay. And I feel that that is especially important with the model railway side of it. it so with uh, Warhammer and miniature wargaming and stuff like that, you basically start from scratch and you are painting the livery that's going on something. So that can be a very scary process. And then to then weather it with an airbrush later down the line as well, that becomes a scary process. I, f I would recommend to anyone who wanted to get into it that you get yourself an airbrush setup. My first ever airbrush setup was an £80 set from Amazon. And as I said, I've painted some of my favorite things using that particular setup. In fact, the compressor that I use is exactly the same. I just had to replace it after a while because mm. it got used so much and it just sort of wore itself out. Um, the joy with doing it with trains, and sorry, I'm waffling on a little bit, is that no, that's they're what already... we want. That's what we want. Oh, that's okay then. Um, the joy with the train side of it is that the things you're buying are typically pre-painted. They have already been varnished. They are already protected. If you are using acrylic paints, the ability to remove that paint for up to a day is ridiculous. You do not need a host of stripping materials or anything like that with acrylics. Mm. And it is why... So on the side, I do commission work. And when I do the commission work, one of the first things I say to people is that I will not be varnishing the products that they want. And the reason for that is that if you decide later down the line that you do not want this weathering or you want to remove it or you don't like it and I have to start again is a lot easier because yeah. acrylics, they, they are very forgiving. And if you were to pick up so I've done airbrushing on a, if it, you bought it brand new now, it'd be a £300 Backman Class 47. But I've done weathering, I didn't pay that, let's be really honest here. Um, but I've done weathering on these, and it's a scary prospect, but because you're using acrylic paints, if you don't like it instantly, you can just get a cotton bud with water, something as simple as water, to get a lot of it off. Mm. And that is what is one of my favorite things about airbrushing and model railways is that if you're using and that, that's the thing i kind of feel like you have to stress here is if you're using acrylics it works and i know that there's the sort of the argument of enamels versus acrylics and things like that and well, you can well, obviously tell us tell us a little bit about that and where you fall down on that because you know i i get asked this a lot as a as a retail i i don't really sell any uh enamel paints or anything like that pretty much everything um that, that we sell in terms of weathering is uh either acrylics or, or oil based in terms of a wash but um in terms of a weathering paint it's all acrylic based um mm. some people 
still very stuck in the enamel way i mean where do you come down on that and just just explain a little bit uh i have been airbrushing for i think it's about six years now and i have never once used an enamel paint <laughs> Um, the reason I've not used an enamel paint is uh, simply because I was told when I first started that you need you need an airbrush booth to be able to use enamel paints, which is technically pretty spot on. Um, it the cleaning process with enamel paints is far more difficult, and the I'll say the chemicals, but that's not necessarily what I mean. They are a little bit harsher on your lungs. Yeah. I, I'm i saying this with a smile on my face to you, uh, for people at home. I have airbrushed plenty of times with acrylic paints with only a window open and no mask or stuff. I will admit I now use a mask, which is very important because my lungs are screwed. But it is very simple to do so with acrylic paints and I find as I said they are very forgiving I've never used an enamel paint and I have friends who use only enamel paints and it is very much a what is your poison kind of thing without yeah. trying to sound too grim but yeah it is <laughs> I, just, I just find them so forgiving that you can I feel like by saying you cannot mess up with an acrylic paint is a little bit misleading but you cannot mess up if, as long as you fix it there and then. Yes, yeah. I, I, you cannot mess up in a way that's irreversible. Yes. They are very, very easy to strip back, restart what you're going to do. And that makes them far more t tempting or I'd, easy i guess is is the word i'm looking for plus acrylic paints are so easy to mix clean i think that's another thing is cleaning your airbrush and stuff like that comes down to acrylics just make everything much easier mm. i the the final line is you will get a better finish with an enamel paint you'll get a much more hard wearing durable finish with an enamel paint you can get those finishes with acrylic it just takes a little bit more yeah it takes a little bit more time it takes a little bit more paint it takes a little bit more patience to do so for example if you were to put through the airbrush at the same time an acrylic and an enamel through two different airbrushes you will tend to get a better finish quicker with the enamel but with the acrylic as long as you're patient you will get what i consider a better finish that if something goes wrong you can't adjust but does that also mean therefore if you look at it the other way around that an acrylic uh allows you to be a little bit more subtle and and build up layers in a different way than than you do with enamel or or is or is that unfair on enamels like enamels uh, have got feelings i don't know why i'm saying it like that but you know what i mean <laughs> and that enamels have feelings too that oh, is okay. very much okay, <laughs> that needs to be that needs to be your next t-shirt is <laughs> enamels have feelings too um i I'd say yeah. I mean, I'm saying all of this as someone who's just admitted that he's never used an enamel paint. True, yeah. true, yeah. But visually, from what I have seen in the past, and through my own use of using acrylic paints, I feel that. <sighs> okay, so here's a, here's a great example. I have bought several 
secondhand locos and you can tell which ones have been weathered with enamel paint versus which ones have been weathered with acrylic paints because a the enamel paint is so much harder to get off when you are stripping and going back to basic sort of thing mm. but also and i guess this is more as a visual for yourself rather than for anything else i stripped this sorry for anyone at home i stripped a class 37 where the actual paint that was painted in the warehouse came off easier than the enamel paints that had been used to weather the bogies and stuff like that and i find that the transitions are better with acrylic in that sense because you're not getting just brown because that is one thing that i see a lot when i pick up these secondhand bits is that when something is weathered with acrylics you get nice transitions mm, i find yeah with enamels it seems that you get great coverage but that great coverage pretty much covers everything and that's why you get these secondhand locos where all the bogies and the frames and stuff like that are brown yeah. rather than splattered with dirt and things like that and that comes down to painting as well but in terms of the paint used i mean i, I acrylic. when when you're about to weather a loco um mm-hmm. do you sort of uh go from what you picture in your mind is what it should look like or or is there a a place where you get reference material from to to work from yeah how does how does it work in terms of your process i definitely go on what looks good not necessarily what looks realistic in my personal opinion Mm. i I find that I tend to do things a little bit more grimy than they would be in the real world. But at the end of the day, I don't run prototypical trains. I don't have a a real exact layout or anything like that. One of the things that not made me famous, one of the things that is recognized on Instagram especially is I have a Network Southeast Class 37 which is a non-existent, doesn't exist in the real world. And it is very much a Marmite thing for, (laughs) I have had some people being like, WTF, while some people being like, I wish this was a real thing. And that's obviously a great feeling to have people saying that they want something that you have created to exist in the real world. But I find weathering, I always try and look at it in the, what looks nice rather than, what needs to be an exact science yeah. of what exactly well. Uh, it's, you know, um, everyone's got their opinions on, um, uh, should we say, fantasy liveries? Um, yep. But, you know, I mean, for for, for uh, the matchy to release the APTs earlier on this year in, in, in fantasy liveries, uh, I never thought I'd see that. And also, they sold really, really well, despite the astronomical price. Um, you know, so so there, there is a there is a, a love out there for um, for fantasy liveries as well. And um, I'm sort of just just starting uh, uh, one myself, but um, I'm no expert painter, uh, so um, we'll, we'll. I'm in, I'm get intrigued. There. Are you allowed to tell us what it is? Or um, it's a it's a class twenty. Okay. Um, and basically, I'm I'm building a very small six by one um, shunting layout, which is uh, based on a mail depot. 
And the idea is, yeah, so Royal Mail obviously scaled back the use of the railways quite some time ago, um, but this is based on what if they hadn't? What if they'd carried on, um, you know, sticking the mail through uh, through trains more than more than anything else? Uh, so the, the the reason I went for that particular train is it's a, a little smaller um, for for a six by one layout, and actually because at one point I would love to take this out with me when I go to shows and things like that, um, it's actually going to be rail stuff liveried. Nice, I like that. Uh, that's the idea, anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. I haven't got very far with it so far. It's currently uh, been stripped back and painted grey. That's it. That, I mean, <laughs> that is a fantastic start as far as starts can go. It. I am super excited now that I know. I'm super excited to see how you do that because I also I'm making an assumption here that that entire layout will be bar the rolling stock it'll all be stuff that you stock and sell uh yes yes there's there's a couple of items um that are not but that's because i love working with the um the wills kits um uh, you know the the packets of of uh, sheet material love working with that stuff uh unfortunately because i don't have a physical shop um, Pico won't let me actually buy that stuff and, and sell it to uh, to customers. Fair enough. Okay. Um, so I have to buy that uh, elsewhere myself. Um, right. But for the most part, it'll be things that that, that, that we sell that um, uh, and also some techniques that I've developed or or learned along the way. So in particular, the ballast um, is really quite dark and grimy. Uh, mm. I really wanted it to be. Um, and you know, I've been working with a few techniques to recolor ballast, so you're not mm-hmm. just hamstrung by the the packages of of ballast that you can buy in the shop. You can yep. actually play with it and adjust it yourself. Uh, and actually, that that kind of leads me nicely onto onto another thing I was going to ask you is, obviously, you do a lot of airbrushing when it comes to weathering. Do you mm-hmm. do much with pigments? No, is the simple answer. I have one pot of uh, Forge World, sort of, it's like a sandy weathering powder pigment, and I've used it once. I've I've not come across a situation where I've gone, this could be done with pigment rather than an airbrush. Yes, yeah. Which I don't know if that comes back to what I said earlier about me feeling like I'm lazy with using the airbrush, or whether it's a case of that, I'm content in what I'm doing already, mm. so I, I'll leave that for yeah. you. And see, I love a pigment. I find them so versatile because you can turn them into a paste. You can dry brush them on. I've I've experimented recently with using some of the uh, um, Mig Ammo um, rubber brushes, which are really nice to work with, especially because they're a lot easier to clean afterwards. I'm a, I'm a terror with cleaning brushes, which is why I probably need to get myself an airbrush at some point, but uh, there we go. So what's the um, what's the plan for Emperor's Path going forward? Is it just to, to carry on doing your own thing, making yourself happy with it and see where it goes, or, or have you got something in mind? I think end goal is, as previously stated, I'd love to be in a magazine like... I feel like that would be a point where I can go if I was to die the next day I'd be happy that I was published in a magazine not because I died but because my layout 
was something that they deemed was nice enough to go into a magazine yeah. to be written about or wrote about. I, I never know the correct term. Um, I think you were right first time. Yeah, yeah. Cool. That's fine then. Um, there's going to be an English professor or somebody who actually knows good English to uh, be able to correct me on that one. Well, as, as long as they subscribe to the podcast as well as leaving a comment, then that's absolutely fine. Not a problem. That's the main <laughs> thing. That's what you're after. Um, yeah, I feel like getting published is certainly something that would... Or I guess the YouTube equivalent of it would be another YouTuber wants to come and do a tour of your layout. I guess that's also yeah. the kind of like the video element of it. Um, but I feel like in my heart of hearts, if I can get into a magazine for what I'm doing and people enjoy it, I feel like that would be my my biggest end game. And then if something were to happen and I died the next day, I'd be happy. Yeah. Um, in terms of like progress and progression, I'm really trying hard to not do what I used to do where I burnt myself out years ago and making sure I had a video every single week that went up at the exact same time. I'm trying to do it that when inspiration strikes me and I do a video that I edit it at my own pace, I upload it and I make sure that it, I am happy with it before it goes out rather than creating something that I've almost forced to go to a complete schedule mm. just simply so that I can say I have had a video come out every single week for the past two years. Um, and as long as I can do that and people like what I do, I guess that's pretty much the thing that really matters to me. It feels like that ethos is better for content as well in terms of, you know, if, if it's content that's driven by your mojo, as you say, your inspiration, um, then that's going to be better, more engaging content anyway, isn't it? I'd like to think so. Um, it, yeah, it... It feels like that is definitely a natural thing for me. I know people who uh, are able to have this sort of this strike of mojo and film X, Y, and Z that creates four videos that they can put out in four weeks and then they mm. are able to go, right, okay, well, I've got four weeks. But still in my mind that I've got four weeks before I need to do my next video still gives you a time limit that sometimes puts you under that pressure that you don't need yeah yeah 100 percent um and and you mentioned earlier everard junction who by the way i'm i'm a big fan of as well uh love uh, love his videos is, is there anyone else that 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 is a, a regular watch on on youtube for you um that that you can't miss i mean for me there's one other it's uh, new junction uh, big fan of uh, richard's work Mm -hmm. um, as well, and it's it's fascinating to see him start from scratch uh, at the moment as well. But uh, but what about you? Anyone else who sort of jumps out? I, in terms of diesel era stuff, which is what gives me the most inspiration, not necessarily anyone that comes to mind. It's more of a if a video comes out. There are some steam era bits that I really like, and some weathering stuff. So. One of my favourite channels at the moment is uh, Western Signalman, mm -hmm. uh, and what got me into James's channel is he's been doing a 009 layout build, and it, I find him very funny to watch. His comedy is on my sort of level, so <laughs> when he makes a joke or mocks himself, it's on the same sort of level where I go, Haha, yeah, I like that. Um, I find it very easy to watch and 
I like how he narrates things so much so that I'm terrible at watching like the model railway show videos because more often than not what happens is they are and this isn't this is my personal preference this doesn't mean that the videos are bad what happens with a lot of the model show videos is they are videos of the layouts hmm. and that's it there's no dis dis uh, description of what they are and things like that and I think when one of the first videos I remember watching of James's was uh, he did a model show review but he had narrated over it yeah. and that sort of thing keeps me keeps me engaged because I often watch YouTube whilst I'm working so I'll have it on a screen in the background plodding away and if it's a model show exhibition and it's just the sound of the show I, I'm not engaged with it, I'm not listening to what they're doing or saying, I'm not learning anything about it uh, and I think that's a very good point is that the narration of James's channel is I'd argue my favourite thing as much as I really like mm. Everard Junction I feel like James Western Signalman the narration and the effort that he puts into what he's doing is definitely probably my favourite thing which sort of flows into one of my other favourites which is Double O'Neill yes Yep. Uh, so Tris does some fantastic work and it makes me so mad as to how good he is at making and creating his own locos uh, I mean he's, he might kill me for this but I think he's an engineer by trade if I remember correctly he, so he's, he's able to in fact he works in the radio control car industry he does uh, yeah. as, as an engineer so yes he, he knows what he's talking about Mm. and he is a font of knowledge for some of the stuff that you can pick up from him um, he doesn't post much anymore and this sort of goes more onto the content that he posts on Instagram as such but I am also a big fan of Dib's shunting layout he I think more than anything he was an extremely supportive member of the community when I first jumped into the model railway scene yeah yeah <sighs> Hundred percent agree. Um, you know, there's there's a few people um, within Instagram who have been very very supportive of of what I'm trying to do. You know, rail stuff has been going for for just over a year now, um, yeah. and uh, and it's hard. You know, it's hard building something up from scratch. Um, yeah. You know, and, and and there's some people out there that even if they don't shop with you because they don't need anything or 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 they've got everything that they need at the minute, whatever, it's still just nice to get that that bit of encouragement from certain people. And um, uh, and and yeah, uh, uh, Dibs is on that on that list for me as as well as your good self and and a few mm -hmm. others. Um, but yeah, there, there's there's that really nice element of community, isn't there as well? Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the things that I really what that sort of definitely translates massively onto uh, Instagram. Uh, la last one is a sort of a YouTube. Uh, I'd go Bunters Yard. Uh, another one on on Instagram as well, who's uh, super friendly and supportive as well. Yep. Um, he. Uh, so I was in hospital almost this time last year. And I binge watched, or I'd been watching sort of like the occasional video, and I binge watched all of his weathering tutorials whilst I was in hospital, and it was just great. Like I was off my face on some uh, fantastic <laughs> painkillers uh, and oxygen and stuff like that. But it was—he is one of those people who I was able to binge watch all of his stuff, and I learned so much that I didn't know before. Yeah. And if and once again translates over to Instagram another person who is so 
helpful and supportive and also the occasional funny comment i i sometimes we end up having back and forths where we're not even talking about the trains or the weathering we're just joking with each other and i like little bits like that um so yeah um I apologise to anyone who I chat to who I haven't mentioned their, their their channel. Like it doesn't mean I don't watch it because I I do try my hardest. Well, but they you, are. You didn't mention rail stuff, but you know, uh, fine. <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like rail stuff goes without saying. I'm trying to back. <laughs> uh, I feel like rail stuff just goes without saying. Uh, I mean, I nobody sitting at home can see us, but I wouldn't want you to have to go red on the camera like through uh, oh stop it kind of thing. Um, <laughs> But yeah, rail stuff's really good as well. Yeah. Um, one of my favourite... like This proves that I do watch. Um, one of my favourite videos that you did was the one where you went to a show and you said about how the, there wasn't anyone there. And you went out of your way... Not there wasn't anyone there, it was very quiet. And you, you went out of your way to make sure that you recorded stuff from the show because you had a bit of time to go around and you worked your butt off to make sure that that video went up that night to try and encourage more people to come to the show and I think that that from a community point of view is outstanding because I think if you do that, that shows that you are dedicated to what you're doing and the love of what you're doing and I think in the video you even said oh it's 5 o'clock in the morning or something like that but it, that, that's personally one of my favourite videos that you've done Oh, thank um, you, I appreciate that and it's shows are are they're a they're a fantastic part of this hobby um and some traders are just fantastic at shows they're they're involved they're part of it some shows are even organized by by traders who then you know get other traders in involved and and things like that um and then there are some traders who if it's not very busy then they will just whinge and moan about it um, and everything is somebody else's fault and I think that day I just particularly thought do you know what these guys have put on a really good show and it's a really good venue and the layouts are phenomenal um, mm. more people need to see it and um, you know you, you just you try what you can um, so do you get out to many shows yourself the honest answer is no the simple reason for that is that uh, most shows that are local to me tend to be on a Saturday. Mm. And a Saturday is swimming day. So we tend to have most of our day taken up by swimming, which is... Uh, swimming lessons for my daughter are very, very important to me. It was one of the things that living by the sea, I wanted her to be yeah. confident and sure of water and not be scared of it. So it's a very big part of our life. So it's like that other part of my life where on a Saturday I don't really get to do much because yeah. it's just right smack in the middle of our day. Um, I am, funnily enough, uh, going out to... I don't know how what the sort of the, the lead time between this, but I am actually going out to a show on Saturday with Dib. I'm meeting Dib for the first time in real life. We talk all the time, but um, we're going to the uh, show down in Eastleigh in Southampton. Oh, great. Uh so yeah i go to one every year in portsmouth which uh i go to with my father-in-law he is like my my train person locally we both that is when i started 
dating his daughter it was one of our connecting points in that we both like trains oh how great yeah. that you had a connecting point phew it's like oh i'm lucky father-in-law massive into motorsport I, i'm good i'm good <laughs> it's you always breathe this sort of sigh of relief type thing and i walked in and bolted to the side of his desk he had a replica uh gwr uh number plate and i went oh that's from a, a great western engine he was like how do you know that boom job done <laughs> uh and yeah we we always connect on uh anything sort of train related because he had three daughters who were not into trains in any way <laughs> shape or form and uh i came along and now we can talk trains so we every year for the last 10 years we've gone to the show in portsmouth which is at admiral lord nelson's school uh, that's like our thing or at least non-covid year sorry yeah um but the I, I do try to go to other shows the problem is is that i just don't physically have the time yes yeah. my yeah. is the biggest thing i wish i had more time than i actually do um yeah hands but, up yeah. i'm really bad at it but life yeah, I mean, yeah. We've, we've all got it. So, uh, I mean, yeah. I've got no idea what next year is going to be like for me because we're expecting our first in January. So um, uh, I'm sure life is going to change somewhat next year. Um, and and I, I wish you all the all the best of luck as my little tornado of both ha hate and love uh, uh, takes up a lot of my time. I'm, I'm also a primary carer as well. That's, I am like... I am drop off. I am pick up. I am childcare if she's sick and things like that. So I, I completely. I wish you all the best. And once we have stopped recording, I will give you every ounce of advice, sorrow, joy that I can. <laughs> well, it sounds good. I think we've probably just about come to the end of our hour anyway. So uh, a fantastic place to finish. Look, um, thank you so much for being the the, the first guest on this. Uh, I couldn't have uh, couldn't have wished for any more from our conversation. Um, really Thank good you. stuff. Um, Thanks for inviting me. Not a problem. And for for anyone who doesn't already follow you or or know where to get you, then then do some do some plugging of uh, of where they can find you and how. Uh, so if you would like to find me, I am most active on Instagram uh, at emperors underscore path. Uh, you can catch me there for the occasional non-railway related thing you can find railway related thing, hobby related things um, various bits and bobs on there uh, YouTube is also where I post regular-ish videos uh, if you want a little bit of railway in your life in video form then you can go on there, I'm not really active on Facebook uh, I am on Twitter, but I don't really do anything on there either. Um, so, so it, it's one of those things I signed up to it and then never really. I get Pokemon updates come through. That's pretty much it. Oh, that's the that's the other thing in my life. I am a very very big Pokemon fan. So what happens is in November you will suddenly see me drop off from the Model Railway stuff for a couple of weeks because I will be playing the new game very very long amounts of time. Fantastic. There's no such thing as too many hobbies. So uh, no, there's not. So um, I, I, ho I hope you don't mind. I'm going to ask you a question, which I should have asked you. Uh, please, yeah. Earlier, but uh, I feel like I've, it is something very important and dear to my heart. And as you've already discussed it with me, what is your favourite cheese? Oh, um, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for that. So the thing is, right? I I love. Um, 
very strong cheeses um mm-hmm. but i also like very very mild cheeses mm-hmm. i'm gonna give you a very very weak sounding answer but just because this is the cheese that i just love with a with a with a tasty biscuit or cracker to go with as well and that is a good slice of creamy edam um oh. you know it's it's mild but it's just got something about it that is it's easy to work with it's um yeah it's lovely love it this this may be this may be controversial but i'm a big fan of the rind on edam ooh it, 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 like I really like that sort of bit where obviously it's a very reasonably soft cheese, and then there's obviously you get to the edge of it, and it becomes a little bit hard. Not the wax. Not oh, the wax, okay, right. You don't you don't eat the the red bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not the weirdo. Uh, so um, I, I interviewed someone today, and they just talked about how they like to eat wax. Um, no, it's it's the bit that the bit that you take off. Yes. The wax, and it's it's just slightly hard, and there's something quite delightful about it. I, I would liken it to the the cheese world's version of a pork scratching. Oh, oh, that's an interesting comparison, and I see where you're coming from. Um, I am so hungry right now. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm definitely going to have to go and find some Snowdonia Black Bomber. That is uh, that is for sure. Uh, but look- don't, don't don't accept anything that comes in a truckle that's black. That's that's not. Black Bomber. It has to be Snowdonia Black Bomber. My mum, bless her heart, every Christmas goes, I got you some Black Bomber. I'm like, oh, thanks, mum. And then she hands me this bl- black truckle of something that's just in a black truckle. So truckle is the wax coating around cheese for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, who's not a cheese aficionado. Um, Everyone it, should be. Yeah, I mean, if you're not a cheese aficionado, then I, I, I tell you what, I mean, if you're up for it, I feel like we should have a send us a DM of what your favourite cheese is to oh, prove yeah. that you've listened to the show, I feel like that is that is a thing. But I, I, once again, sorry, I'm detracting from all of this. But now that you've mentioned biscuits, what is the perfect biscuit to eat your cheese with? Now you see, I like a I like a cheesy biscuit, um, mm-hmm. but I also like quite a salty, thin, crisp biscuit uh, as well. Okay. But if I'm having a spot of Edam. I do like to go classic and have a digestive. Yes. Yep. I, I feel like that is the perfect answer. The hove I mean, it's not always Hovis, but yeah, the little if you buy a box of crackers yes. and it's the Hovis one that is basically a digestive. That is I feel like that is the pinnacle of cheese crackerness. <sighs> I'm so hungry now. <laughs> Uh, for context, it is three forty-eight p.m. and uh, it's sort of that that halfway stage between lunch and dinner. And now all I want to do is eat cheese. I, I don't know if you're like me, but obviously, knowing that I was coming on recording, the last thing I wanted to do was sort of get like acid reflux or something like that. So <laughs> I, I, I was so nervous about this that I skipped lunch. <laughs> oh, Matt, you're definitely hungry then. So uh, yeah. look, we'll let we'll let you go and have some food. But uh, thanks once again for for being with us. Uh, and yes, please DM us with your favourite cheese as well. You can either do it uh, on uh, at Emperor's underscore Path on Instagram or at Rail stuff on instagram as well 
either of us will will accept that and uh, i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll share any responses um that we get between us and uh and we can put out um what people's favorite cheeses are uh i'm so glad that you were a cheese aficionado when i asked that question or else it could have fallen a little bit flat um but the whole podcast certainly hasn't thank you very much for uh for being with us and um yeah and for those of you who listened uh, thank you for doing so uh however you get your podcasts please feel free to hit that subscribe button as well uh, and of course don't forget if you need any model railway scenics and accessories head over to rail-stuff.com or if you're of that persuasion rail-stuff.com depends on how you like it um sam thank you so much for your time thank you for having me <laughs> Thank you.